0: What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday! And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. I'm joining you from the road, so I've got a shorter show today planned than usual, but I promise it's a good one because UFC 269 was an incredible night to remember. There's so much to talk about. Coming up on today's show, I'll give you all of my immediate thoughts that I had. Talking about guys like Sean O'Malley, Dominic Cruz, Cody Garbrandt, and of course, the lightweight king, Charles Oliveira. But before we get to all of that, I have to begin with the new champion that shocked the world. Juliana Pena. I mean, wasn't that something? But that's what dreams are made of. Like, we all feel a little something. It wouldn't matter if you were an Amanda fan or if you were surprised with Julia. wouldn't matter if you believed in her. Right, you get a little different level of bump. Maybe you're close to her. You're part of the team. You're one of the coaches. You're one of her family. But all of us can look at a match like that and just appreciate it because then it's something we can aspire to do. We can aspire to overcome things that other people tell us we can't do we can aspire to work hard and believe in ourselves and go out there and try when the time is right to get something done that seems like a mountain too big to climb. Look, there is ways that a goldfish can eat a shark, a whole bunch of little bites. I don't want you to leave here and not understand what happened though. And no part of this would I ever kick Amanda when she's down. I feel like I could say anything about Amanda right now. Be as critical as I wanted and still not even flirt with the idea that I'm putting her down because I woke up two days ago thinking Amanda was the greatest female fighter of all time. I woke up today thinking Amanda is the greatest female fighter of all time. But to look at what happened when she lost her championship, if you try to break that choke down or you're an aspiring fighter and you're moving the coffee table and the couch out of the way so you can get on the floor with your your cousin over the holidays and work on this hold, you're wasting your time. That wasn't a submission hold. That submission hole would never work. Not in practice, not against somebody that didn't know what they're doing, not against a world champion. Juliana Pena did not mean for that to work. Amanda quit. That's a whole nother level of what the heck just happened moment. A whole nother level. We saw Mike Tyson against Buster Douglas, the biggest upset of my lifetime. When I talk about upsets, I will even use the vernacular of Buster Douglas moment, and everybody will know what I'm talking about. But Buster hit him hard, competed better than most people thought he would, landed the shot, and Tyson tried to get up. His legs and body were just not cooperating within the 10 count that the referee gave. When Holly Holm kicked Ronda Rousey's head into the third row, Ronda was trying to go forward. She just ended up in a kickboxing match against a 17-time world boxing and kickboxing championship. It just didn't go that well. That's not what happened here. Amanda got tired, and she gave up, and she did it in record time. Now, all fighters will quit throughout their career, whether that's in the practice room or in the unfortunate where it happens in competition, or you quit for a round, but you survived and you came back. Every fighter will quit. They don't ever want to be caught quitting. They don't ever want to be called a quitter. You will hear fighters talk very nasty to one another, but you will never hear any fighter call another fighter a quitter because they don't want to be called themselves. It is the cardinal sin. We all do it. Everybody does it. But you don't want to get caught doing it, and you definitely don't want to disrespect. There is no greater disrespect you can say. So I'm not calling Amanda a quitter. I'm just sharing with you in that moment she checked out. And when you check out, you don't come back. I've seen one athlete in my entire life check out in a match and come back in that same match. It's Kamara Usman. I have seen Kamara's switch get flipped where he'd rather be anywhere else and he can recompose and come right back at you. Every other athlete I've ever seen, and Amanda's just an example of this, has to call it, call it a night, get me to the showers, let me go back, let me talk with my team, let me take two weeks off, let me refocus, let me go through the entire process of denial that I did that to acceptance that I did that to try to solve the problem so that I don't do it again. That is what you have to do, and that is what the process looks like. So Amanda did something very normal, but the question also becomes, why? Why did she quit? She was only in there for seven plus minutes. That wasn't even very much time by Amanda standards, who we've seen join the five round club and never lose a single moment, let alone a round, let alone a fight. What happened? What happened here? Guys, if you ever find yourself in a fight that is more difficult than you anticipated it was going to be, things will unravel mentally very fast, not physically. Your body will still have the reactions. It still has the muscle memory. Your body knows what to do. Your mind will do what's called taking inventory. Taking inventory is where you work out the math and the equation for a man to look something like this. I've been out here for seven minutes. I have another 17 minutes to go. I'm tired right now. I'm hurt right now. So imagine how tired and how hurt I will be in the next 18 minutes. I better get the hell out of here and you will actually start to freak out. You will go into a panic mode. You will do that math, come out of that equation, go, this is my one opportunity, she's got a submission, nobody's going to know the difference, give a tap, and then you go, what did I do that for? Oh my goodness, I can't believe I did that. That's not me. That's not how I handle those situations. If there was nobody here, I would not have done that. But because the atmosphere has people everywhere and the lights get a little bit too bright, we react differently to fight or flight. It doesn't matter who you are. Every human being has it. And we like to make believe over time that we found that one person that does it. Yes, they do. They all have it. And fighting is a word that has been corrupted over my lifetime. Fighting right now is about who's got the best jab and the best cross, the best double leg and the best triangle choke. That gets called fighting. Fighting when I grew up, the way my father explained it to me, was about who goes forward when they'd rather go back, who stands up when they'd rather sit down. And the same problem was found with Ronda Rousey. She was good at aggression. That's what the jabs and the crosses and the triangles and the double legs are. They're aggression. As soon as somebody starts throwing them back at you, how you respond, it decides whether or not you're a fighter. And you can be a fighter that only understands aggression, like Amanda showed last night, who found herself in a fight harder than she thought it would be because she took a couple of punches and one takedown, you can do that based on what happened to you over the last two and three years. And Amanda didn't run into one person that ever got in the ring that thought was going to beat her. Amanda didn't get to with one person that ever got her heart rate up to the point that she was worried about fatigue and can I continue on. She didn't get in there with one person that ever got to her with a level of power or Amanda got to them, and that person took the shot. That's another thing that made her unfold so quickly. She hit Juliana, not only put her down, put her down twice, but Juliana got back up. And Amanda knows when she's working out that mathematical formula I talked to you about a minute ago, she knows I've already hit her as hard as I can. She's still here. So what in the hell is the point of hitting her as hard as I can? Apparently, it doesn't do anything. And your mind, it's just a trick. Your mind plays this trick on you. And outside of Kamar Usman, nobody can go through that and then reset it right there in live action. I love Kamar Usman as a fighter. I respect his skills. I respect him much more as a competitor because he can do that. And I've just never seen it done. Been in sports my entire life. I've just never even seen that happen where somebody can come back. So that's all that happened with Amanda. What do you do now? What do you do now? What do you do if you're Juliana Pena now? Juliana Pena had one plan. Close the distance, get my hands on her, take her to the canvas, she'll never get back up. Juliana took her seven minutes, but she closed the distance, got her hands on her, took her down, and she never got back up. What do you do? Juliana wants the rematch. I spoke to Juliana this morning. Juliana wants the rematch. I talked to her coach specifically, and he and I came to the same conclusion, which is the same match doing the same thing, just with a lot more attention on it, which means money. Now, I'm a little premature, and no part of this is to judge Amanda. But Amanda has not been put in this spot before. I have. The reason I'm so accurate with it, and I'm so I know what I'm looking at. I've been there. And Amanda will get there as well. It might take her a few days. And she is going to be furiated. She was a wonderful sport. She handled it with true class, like a real lady. I was very impressed with it. But the bottom line was she found herself in a fight. She has not been in a fight in years. She has not been in a fight since she took on the bullet. Everyone else has got in there and conceded ahead of time to the perception. They've conceded to the resume, to the titles, and to the championship. They've conceded to the record and to the headlines. They didn't go fight her, the person in front of them that has no more tools than you do. You got two arms, I got two arms. You got a couple legs, I got a couple legs. You don't have a stick, I don't have a stick. And that's really all that Juliana did. There was chaos out there. Juliana got hurt. She pushed through it. She came back. She got her hands on her. She threw her down, right? I mean, it's one of these things where you can break down the X's and those and the physicality all that you want. Juliana mentally was prepared for war, knew what she was getting into, a long, drawn-out evening. Amanda didn't. Things got hard. She found a way out. Dana White is the master of putting on meaningful fights with significance. Now, I'm talking about Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier, but it was a lot bigger than just those two. One of the allures to this fight had nothing to do with those two. They had nothing nationalistic. They had nothing personal. They had no grudge. They had nothing that all huge fights need. But other people that touched that fight did. By example, the legacy of Khabib was on trial last night. Khabib left the division having told the world that he has cleaned it out and nobody could compete with him. But there was a guy there. And this isn't a new era. Oliveira was there when Khabib was there and they never did cross paths. And this wasn't some younger guy. Oliveira is two years or three years older than Khabib. And now they have a common opponent known as Dustin Poirier and Oliveira disposed of Poirier 61 seconds faster than Khabib. This is not what I'm bringing to you. That is not fair to draw Khabib into this. But anybody that wants to talk about legacy and then try to tell me that I can't do the math that I just did or that you guys aren't uh, able to have the narrative that I just stated don't know what goddamn legacy means. Legacy is about how are you going to be remembered after you're gone by other people? And for Saint Pierre, it was impossible. He just didn't have a way to not say he was the best. When he left, the guys that he beat, John Hendricks specifically, ran off and did did a championship run. That all favors George. Khabib leaves, and a guy who was there the whole time he was there grabs the championship, shows he's the best, shows he should have had that fight with Khabib, and by the way, takes out a common opponent over a minute faster than Khabib did. The other side of it is Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor got destroyed twice by Dustin Poirier. If you get destroyed by a guy who gets destroyed, do you see where it starts to become a problem? I mean, do you see where it starts to be tough? Where all of a sudden you want to start quit saying I'm fighting for legacy? How about I'm just fighting for tonight? How about it's just this moment? How about it's just you and me? How about it's for this memory? It's for this vendetta. It's for this ranking system. It's for this title. And you start to see where legacy starts to be very unfair. But you also start to see where Team Oliveira has gained some major momentum. And where does Oliveira go? It appears right into Justin Gaethje. And what does that match look like? Because we're all so quick to dismiss Charles, myself included. I've been with Dustin Poirier on this one from Jump Street. 24 hours before the fight, I flipped. I was in bed. It was like I had an epiphany. I was in Vegas getting ready to go over the weigh-ins. And I just dawned on me, oh my goodness, I've never picked. I've never bet or suggested you guys bet on anyone unless they could meet the following criteria. Between these two athletes of Dustin Poirier and Charles Oliveira, who has more ways to win? Whoever has more ways to win, I don't have to universally pick them. I just do. And Dustin Poirier had one way to win. Get him tired and outbox him. Oliveira could fight anywhere, including on his back or on top. And we all knew if Oliveira gets on top, Whatever round he gets on top in, he will stay on top for that round. He will win that round. Oliveira is three takedowns away from beating Dustin Poirier. Then the question only became, can Oliveira go with him on the feet? Oliveira is very tricky. He'll hit the knees. He'll hit the spinning stuff. He's real good. Tony Ferguson-esque with those real sharp elbows. Not to mention he can box a little bit. Just ask Michael Chandler. Is he as good? As Dustin Poirier, who Heady Atlas himself, the most respected name in all of boxing, said he believes Dustin Poirier is the best boxer in all of MMA. I mean, what do you do, right? I get it. I picked Dustin too. 24 hours before the match, it don't wait a minute. Dustin doesn't have very many ways he can beat this guy. It's just a matchup issue. That's all it was, was a matchup issue. Like, we need to be a little bit more respectful to Charles Oliver. He's proven his point. He is the king of the toughest division in the sport. 155 pounds is the hardest and the deepest. Iron on top of iron division in the sport. He sits at top of it. Let's put a little respect on his name. And you want to know how long I kept to that deal? You guys want to know how long? I kept to it until I got asked, and it was two questions later, who I think is going to win between Gaethje and Oliveira. I was already off Oliveira. <laughs> I, don't, I already let it go. I couldn't keep my own damn deal. I just couldn't do it. Olivera gets hit, gets hit a lot, and he gets hurt when he gets hit. Justin Gaethje hits people a lot, but they stay hurt when Justin hits them. I mean, it's one of those things. We got plenty of time to break this match down. It's just a matter of what does Olivera need to do. I don't think it's fair what I'm saying right now. I don't think it's fair that I'm saying, I think he's going to lose his next fight. I picked a Gibson in this one all the way up until 24 hours before. I don't think that's fair. He is the champion of the hardest division in the sport. He just did, at a faster rate, the same thing that Khabib did. He achieved what Khabib achieved. He just did it quicker. At what point does that matter? At what point do we appreciate that? Does he have to do it three or four more times? Does he have to go through Gaethje and Islam or Benny to do it? Is that the answer? Or does he need to grab a microphone and start cutting some promos and being a little bit interesting? Is that the answer? Or does he need to be rough around the edges and one of these hard guys? I don't know if I'd want to bump into him. Because perception definitely outweighs reality. So what do you do? For this moment, you tip your hat to Oliveira. You acknowledge a fair fight, rightful winner. And then you look forward to Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje. Sugar Show. The Sugar Show. Oh, and what a show. I got to tell you, Sean O'Malley was in the hardest fight of his career last night. I'm not sure you guys are, are familiar with his opponent. His opponent was on a three-fight win streak. He moved up from 125 pounds. Now, before you think Sean was fighting somebody smaller than him, I will tell you, as a fighter, as a jujitsu competitor, as a lifelong wrestler, the hardest guy to go with is the guy from one weight class below you. He's just a little bit faster. It's not enough of a size difference to overpower him. His conditioning is going to be just a little bit better because he's carrying around just a little bit less weight. The hardest guy to go with is from one weight class below. That was the hardest fight on paper that Sean O'Malley has ever had. Sean made it look easy. Why? What does that mean? It means Sean's getting better. That's what it means. Sean O'Malley is going to the gym and he's getting better. We're saying beautiful things about him. He's not believing him. And you can always listen to what other people say about you. When you start to believe them, that's when you have a problem, good or bad. People tell you you're not worth anything. You believe it, things aren't going to go well. People tell you you're the greatest ever. If you believe it, things aren't going to go well. You've got to listen to your coaches. You've got to do, you've got to dance with the one that brought you. Sean O'Malley has something extremely valuable, which is a main card placement. They say that he's not ranked. Do you have any idea of the problem that I have with that? So the rankings committee is going to look at it and say, until he beats somebody who is ranked, how can he be ranked? That just makes sense. Yeah, I guess that does make sense. If you don't know what you're doing, I don't need for Sean O'Malley to fight ranked guys. I need to see him in a period of time. I need to see him night after night. I will assess his skills and I will tell you where he should be ranked. The correct answer is six. Sean O'Malley should be ranked number six in the world. They won't put him there because he didn't beat somebody ranked in front. Now, the one thing about the rankings committee is they are going to fiercely adhere to the rules that they make up on the spot. It's ridiculous. And I really don't care in the least. I don't know where to find the rankings. On Saturday night, I know where to find the tough fighters towards the end of the night. Perception is reality. If I come back from commercial break and you're already in the ring and you never even got introduced by Bruce Buffer and I never saw your walkout and you don't get a post-fight interview, it's, i really really not all that interested. I'm not looking to be a dick about it. I'm just being fair with you. Never going to know what you're ranked or if you beat a ranked guy in that spot. It's not going to matter to me because I don't know what it means. I know what it means when a guy fights three hours later. I know what a guy means when a guy fights one hour before a sold-out main event that the world's watching. It means there's a perception that he's better than you. So the reality is, do your job. Assess his skills that you're supposedly an expert in doing and give him a goddamn ranking So I got to host the world MMA Awards and that's a big honor in all affairs to me I mean it meant something to me that I got called and I, I, I gotta be part of this event. So I go and do it I've never bombed before I know what it means to bomb. I've seen other people bomb. I haven't done it. And I don't mean that I'm so good I've never bombed. I haven't done it enough that there was a big enough focus. I bombed. Nobody cared. So it was so bad that I was in the back, and my mother sends me a text. She's at home watching. She sends me a text, and she says, tough crowd. So I write her back a question mark. Now, I knew full well why she was saying it. The question mark was my way of letting my mother know her little boy's okay. My feelings aren't hurt. As a matter of fact, I didn't even know I was bombing. Of course I knew I was bombing. My mother, because I gave her a question mark, decided it was a good idea to lay it out for me. So she wrote me three lines. One, nobody's clapping for you. Two, nobody's laughing at anything you say. And three, doesn't look like anyone's paying attention. So (laughs) thank you. Thank you very much, mom. All right. But the highlight of the MMA awards was Daniel Cormier getting the award for personality of the year and giving his speech, which was, hey, there's a fight tomorrow. I'm sure Dom's at the hotel studying for it. Look, Dom, you don't need to do homework to win awards. Something like that. I'm completely paraphrasing. But it was fun and it was interesting. It just gets me on the topic of Dom. If you have bought into a narrative in the least that Dominic Cruz's best days are behind him you're seeing something other than what I'm seeing. Because a fighter will do what's called growing old. He'll grow old overnight. One day, he'll be out on the track running. And one day, oh my gosh, this feels totally different. And your time's two minutes off of what it used to be. You'll get to the weight room. You'll pump it. Oh my God, this, it's so heavy today. You will literally, it'll just happen overnight. But it goes in this order. Your chin, number one thing that goes. Your speed, number two thing that goes. And three is your legs. Your legs aren't moving you around. They're not getting you from point A to point B. They're not seeing what's coming to get your rest of your body out of the way. None of those things, and I do mean none of those things, have happened to Dominic Cruz. His speed is the same as it's always been, lightning fast from weird angles. His chin can take what his chin has always taken. And his feet are still his greatest attribute. Dominic Cruz is dead set on the idea of only fighting guys ranked in front of him. Now, I have the right to my opinion. I get a right to an opinion because I'm the smartest guy in the room. But Dominic has the right to an opinion because it's him. Oh, and by the way, he won world championships. Multiple world championships. So if this is the way that he wants to do it, we've got to observe that. But I need for Dominic to be able to see. Dominic, nobody knows what these guys are ranked. I did not know Pedro Munoz fit the bill of a higher rank. I don't know what Dom's ranked. I don't know Pedro's rank. I don't even know where to find out. I do know who fights later on the card. I do know whose walkout with their favorite song playing goes out to the world. I do know when a guy checks in, and gets the Vaseline on, gives the bro hug, and gets in the ring. When Bruce Buffer does the announcement and Joe Rogan does an interview after the fight, I do know that that's the guy that I should care about. More than a guy that's got a ranking. So I'm going to do this Dom's way. But I would like for Dom to know there are two ways, and only two. You can go the ranking, or you can go for the spotlight. Your job as a fighter is not to fight highest-ranked guys. Your job as a fighter is to fight the easiest guy for the most money. And I only bring that to you because I feel by Dom not pushing back And Dom not going after the biggest matches, but rather after ranked matches. I feel as though perhaps he's missing the point here. I'm not comfortable questioning Dominic Cruz. Only because of the level of success that he's had and his involvement in the sport. I feel as though the polite thing to do is to defer to Dominic. But there are only two options. None of us know who's ranked. Nobody follows this sport closer than me. People follow it as close. Nobody follows it more closely than me. I did not know Pedro Munoz was ranked in front of Dominic. I don't know now. I don't know what Dominic's ranked, and he's a personal friend of mine. And if I wanted to change that, I don't know how. I don't know what magazine to go to. I know I could go and Google and type UFC and rankings and do the search bar and follow a couple down and come up. I get how to go and do that. But that's what it would take, it would take some research. I do know who's on the main card, and I do know Dominic belongs there. Dominic is very influential, he's got a big base. I'm part of it. Wherever he points the cannon, we'll go. But if that continues to be for ranked guys, I'm gonna continue to ask the question, for what? Cody Garbrandt, tough talk, tough talk, and it's not coming from me. Not at all. Not my place. To be Uriah Faber, to be family members, to be Cody himself. They're gonna sit around a the table. They're gonna have a real hard talk. Cody Garbrandt, the night he beat Dominic Cruz and became the world champion, in my opinion, is the best 135-pound fighter the world has ever seen. I do not believe there has ever been another fighter that could beat the Cody that beat Dominic that night. I think he's the best. Now, how long you can say, if you become the best, if you're the best at anything in the world, better than everybody else on earth for one day, it's amazing. Of course, you would like to keep it and hold it, but there will never be a time that Cody wants to be done with this sport. There, of course, will be a time when Cody wakes up and this sport's done with him. This would be very premature. That's why it's hard. Cody was 40 years old. We're not having this talk. Cody's a younger guy. And again, let's go back to Dominic Cruz because it's very relevant in the story. Four years ago, Cody takes out Dominic Cruz and it wasn't all that competitive. Dominic Cruz has lost fights before. He's never had his ass kicked. Dominic Cruz has had his ass kicked once in his life and it was by Cody. Four years later and one hour apart, Dominic beats a top 10 guy in the division. Cody gets knocked out by a 25 pounder. It's not fair. Father Time is undefeated and he will come for us whenever he damn well chooses. Now, I maintain that one thing that Cody's got to stop doing is he's so goddamn stubborn. He will get in the pocket and he will start swinging every single fight. Some of those shootouts he wins and some of those shootouts he doesn't. But the four fights that he lost, including this one, he was in that position and just refused to step forward and grab the guy, which is a skill that Cody has, or to cover up and back up and get out of there. Instead, he tucks that chin and he starts going. Can I get you before you get me? It's a quick draw contest. The odds are terrible. But that, that's a different side. When I tell you that one day you wake up and the sport is done with you, there's just things that you can't do anymore that you used to do. And it's not fair. You put in the time. You ate right. You slept right. You paid attention. You you, you love your coaches. You got faith. You got family. I mean, you go around. You're checking every damn box, and all of a sudden, your body is responding and reacting in ways that it didn't used to do. Is Cody there? That's not my decision. I am not making one right now. I'm saying it's going to be a hard talk when those guys get together. When the people in the inner circle get together, they're going to have to ask this question. And if he's not done, What do you do now? There's no other experiment. There's no other weight to go to. There's not going to be a return to the main car. There's not a very clear path to a championship, if any, path. So do you want to do this? Why do you want to do it? Is this a cash grab? What is it at this point? Or do you take your oars out of the water completely? Take your oars out of the water. I'm not done. I'm Just not fighting right now. Do you buy yourself some time? If that's the one you're going to do, make that statement tonight. The one thing you do not want to do, it's marketing 101. Identify yourself before somebody does it for you. You do not want Dana White ask this question, Dana White not to be armed with it, and Dana White give an answer that is now the answer if it's not the one that you want. So this hard talk, it needs to happen. It needs to happen quickly. I'm a believer in Cody Garbrandt. I think his skills are incredible. For whatever reason, a number of fighters, their chin, it's not the same way. But Cody keeps putting himself in the same spot. So the reason I'm not willing to wear him off. I haven't seen a guy yet that I think is better than Cody. I've seen guys beat Cody. I haven't seen a guy yet that I think is better than Cody. But how do we solve that problem of getting touched on the chin? Well, in the same position, in the pocket, in a shootout, in a quick draw, night after night. How do we do that? Not my job. Told you it was going to be a tough conversation. Those guys are going to have to have it. We're going to sit back. We're going to see what happens. But until that happens, keep an open mind and reserve judgment on Cody Garbrandt. All right, guys. That's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed it, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Find your welcome and leave us a review. Like our friend Kyle, who says, I wish Chael was my dad. Well, Kyle, I don't know what to make of that, but I appreciate the comment, and I appreciate all of you. I'll be back on Friday with more. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.